Welcome to PR360, a weekly public relations podcast where we bring on the best and brightest minds in the PR industry. We discuss the important topics that you need to know. Tune in every Wednesday to find out. Hosted by Brett Dicer and in partnership with Global Results Communication. Find more information on globalresultspr.com. And welcome to a new episode of PR360. And I'm your host, Brett Dicer. If you could please subscribe to PR360 on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Amazon Music. Leave a five-star review if you really like this podcast, or if not, let us know how we can do better for you as well. And subscribe to the YouTube page because you don't want to miss our lovely faces as we converse about Crisis Calm. Yes, the lovely Crisis Calm that people dread actually more often than not. But I have Molly McPherson with me, and she is an APR-certified nationally recognized expert in what I said before, Crisis Calm. She also has done social media as well. She's a book author and she's a fellow podcaster, which is always great to have. So welcome to the show, Molly. Oh, Brett, it is wonderful to be here on your lovely podcast. Oh, we're we're excited to have you on here as well. But my first question I ask all my guests is, are you a coffee or tea drinker? That is the best first question ever. I am a pour over coffee drinker at home and a non-fat hot latte from the bucks when I'm driving around well, town. You know, all technical with me with the pour overs. Luckily I know what you're talking about because I was a former barista myself that had to do it. <laughs> oh, okay. Good, 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 good. Yeah. It's, it's the perfect, it takes time, but it's the perfect amount of caffeine to get you through the day. I love it. Also it tastes better. That's just my personal it opinion. Does. It does. Mm-hmm. But I gave a brief introduction to who you are. Can you give our audience a little bit more about your expertise? Oh my gosh, Brett. I just posted a TikTok today because I now recognize that I have a new expertise. I have calling myself a cancel counselor because every client, Every person that I have interacted with in my job in 2022 has had some element of the cancel culture aspect to crisis communication. So my specialty, uh, I, a former emergency manager, manager working through with FEMA, the Federal Emergency Management Agency, I'm a crisis communicator helping organizations with their crisis communication plans, but now with digital media, social media, stakeholder activism, and the tactic of cancellation, if you will, I'm finding that's the work I'm doing. Ah, so you're the person that's trying to get businesses uncanceled from the minority, majority, or whatever population of people that are upset. Absolutely. Either uncanceled or worried of being canceled. Oh, got you. And I mean, that is kind of like a thing. How has Crisis Com changed over the past five years? Even two years, it's kind of been like, well, we got to think of this now. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And no doubt about it. I, you know, people worrying about their own reputations is is a big part of it. Um, I would say the journey, you know, most people, when they think of a crisis, they think of a, a company, an organization, a big brand going through an operational crisis. Some people might assume, oh, a natural disaster is crisis communication. You know, there there's issues. You know, there are issues out there that companies deal with. But the true definition of a PR crisis is something that's within your control, either started by you and impacting your reputation and your company's operations uh, due to it. 
I'm noticing that the biggest change now, and I'm talking an avalanche, like rolling down the mountain type of a change, is this idea of managing stakeholder activism. With the rise of social media, even though it's been here for a while, we're in the two-decade mark now, people using it to vocalize their concerns and criticisms against people, brands, and companies is what is concerning people. So it's bringing crisis PR to a much different level and a much more personal level. Gotcha. I mean, even with the advent of like Robinhood and those other types of stock trading apps have kind of created their own, I guess, interesting issues slash crises. I mean, you could talk about the AMC and the GameStop thing where some companies betted against it and everybody else was like, nope, we're going to make it go soaring. So is that type of crisis something that PR pros can manage or is it beyond their control? Because you can't really control who's going to buy into your company. You cannot control crowds. And the word, the, the word that we're looking for is mobilization. It's when people collect, collaborate, and then decide that they're going to either strike or create a movement, some type of groundswell. If the groundswell is beneficial, that's, that's wonderful. If it's something that is, it is promoting your business or helping your business or your brand. But when it is a groundswell of negativity, of criticism, of people highlighting your lack of accountability, then it becomes a real problem. So it's that word. It's the mobilization that leads to a digital groundswell. All right. And I mean, what do PR pros get wrong about this? I mean, crises, you're like, oh, all hands on deck, get it dust off that crisis calm plan if you haven't used it in a while like is there like something that they get wrong about this that they should know i would argue that it's not the pr pros who get it wrong because everyone who i work with or in my orbit they're figuring it out because if you work in pr you have to have your finger on the pulse of what's happening otherwise you you really can't do your job you'll be drummed out of your job it is leadership it's it's status quo thinking within our clients and in our customers, um, whether they intentionally want to put their head in the sand or if they're just not prepared or they don't have the resources, that's where we're finding the trouble. It's it's trying to enlighten companies and leadership, uh, leaders who are accustomed to operating a certain way, perhaps survived, emerged from crises in the past. Th this whole idea of people rising up to negatively impact a brand via digital organizing or social media, it's new and it's scary. So it's first, it's that mindset. If a PR pro, if you will, can change the mindset of how the communication ecosystem works with customers and communications, then that's what is a game changer. And then PR pros can help anyone. Gotcha. And so, I mean, how can you actually inform your leadership if they're kind of the ones go like freaking out every time? And should there be a way for PR pros to understand? I mean, sometimes crisis is like, well, should we actually talk about this? Is this our customer? Because sometimes they're not your customer at all. They're just mad at you because they want to be mad at something. Right, right. You know, so this is something that I am always getting uh, getting my, my hands in and, and trying to, you know, explain how powerful one voice can be online. Before you freak out when you see a complaint, you know, before you decide you're going to do a full scale attack, you really want to assess who is saying what and what are they saying? 
and why are they saying it? So many um, people want to lump in criticism with trolls. It's this idea of, oh, they're trolling us and it's trollish behavior. It's just trolls on the internet. The danger is labeling a troll with a critic because people who are genuinely criticizing a company, an organization, a brand, or a person for legitimate reasons, they want to be heard. And when they are ignored or dismissed or labeled a troll, that creates this movement inside that creates an external movement. They want to get other people to come together so all of them will be heard. So I, I find that that's the biggest mistake. But there is a benefit to that. You know, with every crisis, there's an opportunity. The opportunity um, for a brand that's being that's being attacked for a company going through it is you're getting real time firsthand feedback. You are getting a focus group. Now, granted, it's most likely public and everyone else is seeing it, but you are getting some, some just gold information from your consumers about what some of the gaps are and some of the problems are. And if you can provide a solution and you can do that in the same public forum, well, that is good public relations. So basically don't start name calling before you understand who you're talking to first, because the name calling can just basically exacerbate the issue, which can become a crisis. Oh, without a doubt. And I think if there's any tell for people or brands that throw out that term, you know, they're just internet trolls, they're hiding behind anonymous names. Whenever I hear that or see that, that's, that's a tell to me that they're, they're not prepared and they don't necessarily know what they're doing. Because anyone who's going to say that uh, is usually going to say that when they don't have a plan. <laughs> it's indicating we need this to go away and they are the most at risk. Gotcha. So, I mean, for PR pros, for this type of thing, if, let's say it actually happens to them and they go, oh, it's just a bunch of trolls. You want to be like the PR pro going, oh, look, we need to understand them first, but also massage that message out saying, well, they could be a disgruntled a customer, employee, we're trying to figure that out right now. We'll get back to you with more information. So it looks like you're actually saying, look, we don't know yet, but we're not going to call them names until we actually fully know what's going on. Absolutely. And what, what causes people to rise up online, like I said, is when they feel as if they haven't been heard or if there is a sense of betrayal. And when people feel betrayed, they have to let it out somewhere. And now it's so easy to let it out online on social media. And when someone does that to a brand, that is a reputation problem. And there is a cost to a reputation. And if, you've, if you lose your reputation, if you're in the process of losing it, that's a PR crisis that needs to be managed. These people need to be heard. And what they're looking for is a solution is helpful, but also what are you going to do about it? And who is going to help that person? Because even though it's a one-on-one -on -one conversation online, it's really one to mass media. Everyone is seeing that conversation happen in real time. Gotcha. And then, I mean, it's a good thing about talking about social media. How can social media help all this, even though it sometimes actually creates all this at the same time? So how can you use that creation of a crisis on social media to help you 
manage the crisis? Well, you know, the, the benefit to managing a PR crisis in real time and you're doing it on social media, you're almost doing it for the whole world to see. Everyone is watching. And when people see your response and how you respond, you can enhance your reputation. If you've been dinged rightfully or wrongly, you can correct the record by your response. I use a framework that is really the framework for the cancel culture. It's been you know, formed and shaped by it. It's when people are asking for accountability, you need to show accountability. You need to acknowledge a fault. You need to either apologize, accept responsibility, whatever it is. And when that happens, it, it just diminishes. It's like releases that pressure valve and people calm down. You know, when they realize that they're being acknowledged and listened to, then you can get somewhere. Then you, then you can start to explain why it happened. How did we get here? Did, did we have gaps? Was there something wrong on your end? You know, whatever it is, you're explaining it. And then the last part of that response is going to be, what are you going to do about it? What's going to be your plan? What's going to be your promise? But you have to make sure it's a promise that you can keep. It really, Brett, is no different than customer service. Think about an irate person on hold with a cell phone company or a cable company, you know, think about yourself, like how frustrated you get. And as soon as they say the cable's back on or your lights are back on, your phone works again, that just that sense of relief. That's the same thing in a PR crisis. There's no difference. If you can solve a problem for someone, they're going to love you. And that's the PR element. When someone loves you, they're going to tell you that they love you and they're going to tell everyone else. Gotcha. And I mean, for crises, sometimes business can just wade into it without with knowing i mean specifically like political issues because you're always picking a side if you choose politics like there's no clear winner whatsoever you're either going to be on a team a or team b let's just make a hypothesis about that so should you like pull back from a little bit like look at like because sometimes your employees and your customers can be on totally different sides too so how can pr pros or how can businesses like navigate that because sometimes you can just wait into something. You're like, I, well, we thought it was good. Yeah. It's, you know, it's dicey. It is not easy. Look to the CEO of Disney, you know, and trying to wade through the issue for Walt Disney world in Florida with the LGBTQ plus issue of the don't say gay legislation that is happening. The new CEO had to make a statement and the statement that he chose was a, non-statement. And that is not taking accountability for the issue. So naturally, one side and really many sides are going to rise up against that. You, anyone can see the position that Disney's in. They're in, they're in Florida. Uh, the Republican side is asking them to do something, but they need to speak to everyone. And they chose to speak almost to no one. And they didn't speak to another audience, was an internal audience. So they had to deal with a walkout and not just any walkout, a digital walkout. So the answer to that is the public now, stakeholders, again, they like accountability, but they even if you don't have the answer, they like to see the thought process. They People know and people can connect dots on very difficult issues. But where you can err is on the side of compassion, err on the side of reason, 
err on the side of equitable fairness. You know, anything that shows you have a heart, that you have uh, compassion as a company, as a leader, and people will work with you as you work through that issue. Gotcha. And I mean, can social audio say like Twitter spaces, even clubhouse or whenever LinkedIn decides to create theirs, can that actually help with create with managing a crisis? Can you use a voice instead of written word? Because sometimes written word can be misconstrued. So could you use social audio to help, I guess, alleviate some of those perspectives that people may get wrong? Yeah, Brett, I I love the idea of social audio. I love the idea of audio. We've seen with the rise of podcasts and with audiobooks, people like audio. People like it for its convenience also. People don't necessarily want to watch uh, videos. I have an online membership. Anyone who uh, goes through any of my trainings and clients. I put them into my indestructible online where I do these, you know, monthly webinars and teachings. And I found right away, people said, where's the audio version? <laughs> How can I learn audio wise? I thought, aha, okay. So there's something here. I like seeing from a crisis communication, crisis response aspect, people using audio. I like seeing um, organizations use Twitter spaces for a Twitter spaces conference, if you will. It's like a press conference. Um, rolling out any type of audio that you can use um, on your website as part of your collateral, your media relations tool. Yes, post a press release, but also post an audio clip. Post your audio statement. That can be pulled for radio, for audio, for podcasts. So I would say to communicators, wherever there's an opportunity for video, create an opportunity for audio. So it's almost like you write your press release, but now you could write, let's call it an audio release. It's basically a statement to it. So you have two Absolutely. different like releases. Mm -hmm. And so the people that may not want to read can listen instead to it. And it could sound more empathetic too, because like I said, written word, you're taking your own voice. You're not taking the voice of the actual writer itself. Absolutely. And I have used that with uh, clients. We have as someone who was dealing with an issue. And I said, let's create the audio version of your response that anyone can download. Anyone can listen to it just like a, just like a podcast and it worked. Mm -hmm. And so now moving on to like, we said audio is great, but what about like live streaming at the same time, like video type of it? Should that be used within conjunction with crises? Is that a little bit more dicey because it's live and you're not really quite sure what's going to happen, especially with video, because Facial expressions can, we don't, we're, we don't control facial expressions as well as maybe our tone sometimes. Live streaming, double-edged sword. It is, it can be one of the most powerful mediums to use in a crisis for a crisis response. I use it with clients. I use it with clients a lot. However, it is dicey because it's risky you do not have control over anything. You may have control uh, over who the question that might be answered that's coming up. You know, you can control that. You can control your background, the audio and the tech, and you can control a kill switch, but you never want to have to use a kill switch when you're in the middle to responding to something. Um, I do like it in a very controlled environment. If you use it like a town hall or a press conference, 
or if you wanted to give someone a behind the scenes of what was happening or a real time rundown of, of, of a response, uh, you could use it incredibly effectively. But you want to make sure that you have guardrails in, in place, you know, to make sure you don't create a even bigger crisis. I mean, hey, even your audio and video can actually mess up, too. So <laughs> you're. Oh, with yeah, without a doubt, there's a lot of moving parts with with live stream, but it can still be an incredible tool if you do have um, also support people who understand technology, who can bring out the right audio and video lighting, all of it because you need it, and make sure your optics are okay in the background, and if you use it and implement it well, it can be an incredibly powerful tactic for managing a crisis. So basically, like use it in limited scenarios that you can mostly control because I mean, there's only so many, so many things you can control. There's only so many things that you control. And, and here's a, a way that I like using it is if a company is being accused of not being transparent, for instance, we can't hear from you. You've never said that there is nothing <laughs> quite like hopping on a Facebook uh, live calling it a town hall. And you know that that live now is going into the algorithm to all the people who follow. And you are popping up on the screen of your stakeholders, people who are following your page. It can be incredibly powerful. A simple 20 minute town hall Q&A and you can read the questions and it could be pertaining to an issue that they're going through or like a sticky issue. You know, maybe you have to raise a price on something or something that's directly impacting your customer. So it's incredibly powerful there. But also if you're responding to some type of incident, um, that's going to be helpful as well. So people can see the situational awareness around you and what's happening. Gotcha. And then what, how can basically brands minimize their brand because brand re reputation and crisis kind of go hand in hand. So how can they minimize the hit on that if they're going through a crisis or if they're about to go out? Because that's what they, besides getting out of a crisis, the second thing is how much has our reputation been hit? So how can they like minimize that damage? Yeah. I mean, certainly when, when a crisis happens, you need to deploy a crisis plan that hopefully you already have one. Um, you already have a team in place. You're already prepared to do it. But the one piece, uh, there's one word that, that stakeholders are looking for in any crisis nowadays in particular, and that's accountability. It needs to be a part of your initial response and it needs to be right up front. It needs to be in your first, second, third sentence in your response, whether it's the spoken response or the written response. People want to know that accountability. How accountable are you to what happened? And in some cases, you have no accountability whatsoever and people understand that as well. But people now are discern character, they discern operational um, operations. They're just a more discerning public. They understand how to scrutinize and they know what to look for. And people nowadays, it's almost like they have a nose for it. When someone's hiding, when there's a lack of transparency, when there's a lack of accountability. So for all communicators and, and leaders who I work with, I'm always asking them, show me where is the accountability? Because that's what people want. And if you do it right up front and you acknowledge it and you just rip that Band-Aid up front, that triage now is explaining where you're going, explaining how we're getting out of this crisis, solving the problem, whatever it is to get through it. If you lack accountability, you're going to stay in a cycle 
It's just this cycle that will not move and you will be stuck in it until that happens or until someone gets rid of you. <laughs> and then it will move forward that way. So accountability is key. Gotcha. And so how can PR pros start to do that type of accountability? Because it's one of those things like you want to try to do, but how do you do it effectively where the public's like, all right, at least they're being starting to be accountable for their own actions. I mean, that's, it seems easier said than done. It is easier said than done. Um, but again, it's not the role of the PR pro, you know, because usually the PR pro it's their job. They're the fixers. <laughs> they're there to fix the crisis, to help the company get through the crisis. Usually their job is sitting down with leadership or some department to counsel them on how are we getting through this. They have to be that accountability whisper to someone to reach them and let them know, usually it could be a CEO, it could be a president, it could be the head of something, that that person needs to publicly claim some accountability. Certainly, it, everything needs to be vetted through legal. We need to know what we can and cannot say. But what in your message and that key message is going to show the accountability to what happened? And even if there isn't a fault, let's say, be accountable to what people are going through, the impact of whatever happened. Acknowledge the stressor. I mean, look, look to COVID-19. No one caused COVID-19. You know, it's, you know, we were all dealing with this vi virus. The, the companies that responded to it well were the ones that acknowledged that it was impacting their customer or impacting their stakeholders somehow. If they acknowledge, okay, you can't get to our store, you can't use our, you know, use our brand, what can we do to help you? It's just that that empathetic type of leadership is also another layer of accountability that the that the public likes and customers like that. And that's how you build a reputation as well. And even talking about like speaking and spokesperson speaking to the public, should brands use if they have some employee influencers at the same time to show more accountability or should it all be from the top leadership? I like seeing when there's an issue, a crisis, um, any type of significant issue of significant that impacts operations, impacts the reputation of operations, you need to go to the top. People want to hear from a CEO. They want to hear from the head of, of an organization. Nowadays, when we see spokespeople, and I used to be a spokesperson, so I can say this from, you know, walking the shoes, it it's that person is now a barrier. You know, that person is a barrier to all the information. It's understandable, like there's going to be a press secretary at a White House when there's daily briefings. You, you want a secretary because the president has better things to do than brief the press every single day. But if you're an organization going through something, we want to hear from the top because that message is going to set the tone for the entire organization. And then employees can follow, boards can follow, you know, staff can follow because it's really one voice. There may be one primary spokesperson, but there's many voices saying the same thing and echoing the same sentiment. So have the top speak, but then also follow up with your employee influencers to reinforce the accountability at the same time. Absolutely. And all your messaging, your social, your collateral, let's see those same key messages woven through throughout it. Because also nowadays people walking around working from companies, 
the public's going to ask, hey, what's your opinion on that? Anyone who has a, a sweatshirt that says Disney employee or I work for Disney, they're going to get feedback from the public. And what does that employee say? If you've lost your internal audience, your internal stakeholders, and they're against you, well, now you have an internal crisis of people externally impacting your brand. So that's why it needs to be right the first time. Because you have both like an internal crisis and an external crisis at the same time. Oh, with that. It almost seems yeah. like Disney might start to actually have two crises at the same time because mm -hmm. of just the way things are happening and sometimes people misunderstand things at the same time too. Might, Brett, they do. I just tweeted it. I just tweeted, a, tweeted an article from CNBC about the internal problems with the CEO and internal staff dealing with external problems. So the two often go hand in hand. Gotcha. And what is one crisis that PR Pro should be aware of maybe in the future? Maybe it is cancel culture. Maybe it is thinking of the next pandemic, maybe it's something different that we haven't thought. Is there something that we should be really focusing on that we just haven't yet because of COVID-19 or whatever else that we've been focusing on right now? Yeah, it's an excellent question. I, I think, and it's what I've been drumming, you know, this entire discussion with you, Brett, is keeping in mind that the most, uh, powerful stakeholder out there can be your public on social media or any type of digital community. I'm noticing now uh, this idea of activism where people are creating their own PR campaigns against companies. They're mobilizing, they're mobilizing digitally. And these stakeholders can be your internal stakeholders, you know, like at Disney, it could be your customers, it could be a group with an agenda, but people have understood now, understand now how to use technology to leverage their agendas um, at companies and at organizations sometimes fairly, sometimes not so. So never dismissing the power of social, never dismissing the voice of your customer, never dismissing even the term cancel culture. So often it's, it's considered a woke, you know, culture term, you know, that's just something from, you know, the woke media or the woke side. The idea of cancel culture truly to me is someone who feels marginalized, has a voice and they're going to let that voice be heard digitally, which can be incredibly damaging. So you want to make sure that you listen to those people and you look for those people and answer what the charge is either correctly or incorrectly. Make sure you correct the record. Can we also put in like inflation into that? Because everybody yeah. is like, we're all focused on that right now. We're like, how high is this going to go type of a thing? Oh my gosh. I know. And that's a whole new, right? Like even what did COVID teach us? We learned supply chains. We've learned inflation. We've, you know, anything that impacts the world um, is impacting your customer. Even a, a crisis in Ukraine, conflict in Ukraine impacts how you do business impacts how you communicate your business because the mood of the world, the mood of so many people right now, it, their hearts hurt. You know, we came out of the pandemic. It hurts. Um, now we have just price hurts. We have inflation. We have gas over $4 a gallon, at least, you know, where I live. And then people watching every day on social media, on their news, just this 
war and destruction and just heartbreaking footage and imagery. So keeping the mood of the world in mind, too, I think is incredibly important when you roll out your own um, internal and external communication. I mean, I would love four dollars a gallon. It's like six, seven bucks here. <laughs> oh, oh, where you are. I'm across the coast from you. I can imagine. I, it still hurts nonetheless, but yes, I can see why yours is even higher. All right. And fun question for you. Who would you love to interview for your podcast? The person I would love to interview is the person I'm slightly obsessed with right now. And I gave a little hint. Uh, the president of Ukraine, President Zelensky. Uh, I, I posted a TikTok from a video that one of his selfie videos that he had posted. And at the end of it, he winked. And it was an incredibly powerful video, not only from a communication point of view to show how effective authentic communication can be. And I believe in this brand of being indestructible. Like, how do you not let people bring you down? Well, winking at the end of a video when people are, well, probably snipers are out to get you. The question I would have for him is how much is planned? How much is stagecraft? How much is your team working with you? Do you have a communication director? And how much is just you? I suspect because a lot like President former Trump, he understands the medium of television. He understands the medium of, you know, vis the visual medium. And he is using it to bolster his brand in ways that we that we see that other presidents in the past, you know, have done in different forms of technology from radio to cinescope to television to the Internet and now the selfie. So that's who I would like to speak to. I don't even need an interpreter. I, I, I think I would be able to understand them. All right. Any final thoughts for listeners? Well, Brett, I thanks for uh, not only inviting me onto your podcast, but talking about this topic. Uh, the pandemic, I think, taught so many people in, in positions of leadership the importance of not only having communications, having good communicators, but also giving communicators a seat at the table. Communicators are incredibly important to any business's operations and reputation because, as I said earlier, there is a cost to a lost reputation or a damaged reputation. I love teaching people how to communicate and communicate well, and I also love to see organizations noting that the communicator, the PR person, that anyone who's looking out for that brand and that leadership and the leadership sitting at that executive table, that communicator deserves a seat right along with them. All right. That's a good finishing off. So thank you, Molly, for joining PR 360 and sharing your knowledge on crisis communication and brand reputation. It was my pleasure, Brett. Thank you. And thank you for listening to PR 360. As always, please subscribe to PR 360 on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Amazon Music. Leave a five-star review if you love it. If not, let us know how we can serve you better. And subscribe to the YouTube channel as well for our bright, smiling faces. But join us next week as we talk to another great thought leader in the PR industry. All right, guys, stay safe. Get to understanding your crisis calm and your leadership a little bit better and getting them to understand crisis a little bit better. And see you next week. Later.